Thank you for listening to the following sermon from Pine Grove Community Church in Rylander, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit us at pinegrove-wi.com. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good evening, everybody. We are going to look a little bit closer at verse 37 of what you heard read there. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, before we get to Mark fifteen thirty-seven, we read that it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. And so on Good Friday, this is where we are, aren't we? We remember that uh, our sin, your sin, my sin, Adam's sin, being an Adam, required all that we just read. And so what we read is the wrath of God, the justifiable anger of God against sin. Not his, of course, ours. So I was thinking that, um, you know, nobody wants to consider death. Nobody, I don't know, you probably don't spend much time contemplating your death. And then we also live in a world where we, it's a strange thing, where with movies and TV and so on, in your lifetime you'll see thousands of deaths. Right there on the screen in front of you. And yet, none of those deaths are at all like death. You know, death is terrible. It's awful. It's, it's not, um, there's no dignity in it. There's no goodness in it. It's, it's terrible. And I think Mark 15.37 maybe allows you to enter in to what Christ suffered on your behalf for your sin. So let me read that, pray, and then I just want to look at the three parts of it. So here's Mark 15, 37 again. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Let's pray. I praise you that your son did die for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried. We praise you that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. Father, give us uh, hearts that are tender towards the substitute sufferer who sacrificed himself on our behalf, paying in full the penalty for our sins, that we might love him, we might live for him, that we might look with longing for the day of his return, and that we might help each other as we await his coming. And so God have mercy on us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are familiar with our Savior's name, Jesus. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. It's the name, hopefully, that we love above all others because there's no other name given under heaven by which you can be saved. Do you know that? There's none other. 
Now, it isn't the name, as if you just kind of say his name and somehow you're magically, you know, saved forever. It's, his name signifies him. His name signifies what he had to do in order to save you. And his name is above all other names because he alone is who he is. We just sang it. He is the eternal God. He dwelt in love with the Father from all time and unto all time. He has no beginning. He has no end. He created the universe by the power of his word and sustained it. He is the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God. He has all power and all wisdom. There's none like him. And he, in love for his people, in obedience to his Father, came and was born of a virgin. And if you remember in the Gospel of Matthew, the angel said that you will call him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And so even at his birth, all he had in front of him was a cross. And so when we think of the name of Jesus, all we think about is our salvation. Him who saved us. That's what his name means, right? Jesus is the Greek for the Hebrew Joshua. God saves. The Lord is my salvation. God rescues. God is my eternal help. Now this one, this eternal, all-glorious being who is unlike any others, hung on a cross and uttered a loud cry. Read that. Just look at that. And Jesus uttered a loud cry. He is the eternal God. He is everything that God is. And he is man. He's everything that you and I are. And I am sure you have suffered an injury, maybe a terrible one, and you cried out kind of uncontrollably, spontaneously. Sometimes in death, it's awful. And so he's dying here, and what he did at the end was scream out. Sometimes we like to see Jesus as this kind of sentimentalized, you know, hippie-looking kind of guy. We don't want to consider him in the grotesque throes of death. And yet here he is, crying out. So again, you watch movies, you watch TV, you see death. And it's never like that, is it? They just kind of stop moving. They just, it's not real. And here, this is real. He screamed out. He yelled out. This, this wasn't pleasant. It was a great cry that ended his ordeal. And there's no dignity in death. There's no humanity. There's no goodness. There's nothing beautiful. It's just awful. It's an enemy. 
and the one who is in himself all life submitted himself to death, to the enemy. Isn't that something? You know, the one of the things that we hate more than anything is to give in to somebody, and, you know, in anything. <laughs> you, you won't give in to somebody who's opposing you, will you? We rarely will. And here is the one who is all light and all beauty and all goodness giving in to death, the enemy of enemies. And he died undignified, crying out. He gave himself over to the Father's hand. He trusted the Father would not let him rot in a grave. And so with all of his soul, with all of his might, he cried out. He let go. He yelled out in death. He didn't go quietly, serenely. One commentator commenting on this voice, verse says, so shouldn't we live for him <laughs> with our might, with all that we are? If he cried out, so loudly, can't we love him with all of our heart and all of our soul? If he gave himself up, doesn't that require all of you? So when you sing his praises, are you singing for him? Because he cried out in death for you. When you're Chopping vegetables. You give him glory because he made them and he's given them to you. Do we give him glory in all things? Do we, on the Sabbath, even change our conversation to focus more on him on that one holy day as compared to the other six? Because we love him. We don't want his name off of our lips. Children are good at this. They're really good at giving like their full attention and love. Everybody who's had a child has those moments when your child wants your attention. They just so gently grab your face and just keep it focused on them. It's a beautiful way to consider how you should love Christ. Because he cried out in death. And then we read that he breathed his last. One translation just says simply he expired. Now in death, there, there are really two parts to you. You are a body and you are a soul. And at death, one of the reasons it's so awful is because who you are is separated. Your body dies. It ceases to live. And your soul, if you love Christ, goes to be with God. And this is what happened here. King James Version says, famously, he gave up the ghost. Now, we 
you know, don't use the word ghost like they used the word ghost. They meant his soul. They meant that part of his being that is himself went up to his father while his body went into the grave. So that was the finality to it, isn't it? He uttered a loud cry and he had a final breath, a last breath, a breath after which there was no others. This is all because the curse of sin, the curse on sin is death. This is the just wrath of God poured out on him because of our sin. He breathed his last because you use your breath to say awful things about other people. That's what he does. He gives us breath. And we use it not to glorify him, not to honor him, but to elevate ourselves, to lie, to misrepresent. And so he had to suffer like this in order to reconcile us to our creator. In order that in your death, you don't face what he faced. Because God is your judge. You know this? That after death comes judgment, that God will judge you? And that he's right to because he made you and he has given you everything that you've ever had? And that you will give an account to him for everything in your life? And that all who love Christ will be taken to be with him and all who don't, will be separated eternally from him in hell. And so Christ died that we might not suffer hell. He suffered hell that you might not. So death is all around us, and you will die. You will breathe the last. And if you have Christ, then you will breathe again. You will live forever. Because we know that Christ died, and then at the end of it, when Sean was reading, you read that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. This little hint that something's going to happen, and we know that he did raise, he was raised, and he was raised physically, bodily. His body that had died and breathed its last and went to the grave came out of the grave, that same body, reunited body and soul, resurrected forever, imperishable. And so this is what happens in death for a believer. We die, our bodies go into the grave, our souls go to be with God, and at Christ's second coming, we are reunited with our bodies, which are resurrected, immortal, imperishable, perfected. No more sin, no more death, no more dying. And so there's no like vanishing, there's no like a light switch turning off and there's just no more existence. There is. We are eternal beings. And our only hope in life or in death is that Jesus Christ is our sufficient Savior because He, Jesus, cried out with a loud cry and breathed His last
Now, one thing that that should do for you as believers is reassure you greatly. It should bring you such comfort. No matter what's happening in your life, all of the sorrow and pain and regret, and all that you're hearing here is that your sins are paid for. Take comfort. Take solace. Be encouraged. Of course, it should lead you to hate your sin and want to obey him because he suffered such for you, but mostly just reassure you. If God spent his wrath on his son, there's no more wrath to be spent on you. If God raised his son from the dead and you are in his son, he will surely raise you and all whom you love who died in the Lord. There's such comfort here. And those of you who do not love Christ, who have no life in him, who are only here because grandma asked you to be here. Or you'd come all the time and you're just not really here, here. This is the wrath of God against sin. This is what you'll face. This is what is already on you, actually. And you can deny it. You can act like it's not so. You can make a joke about it. You can joke about how fun hell will be. But God does hate sin and he will judge. But he is of such incredible love that he spent his son for us in our sin. And so the one thing that we should do leaving here is be very grateful to him. Be very glad that we have a Savior. Worship him. Be so thankful to him that he would do this for us. Let's pray. Father, help us to love your son. Give us comfort in this world that is very difficult and lives that are often very painful. Awaken those who are kind of dulled to this great love, who are just kind of coasting. Help them to see again the glories of your son and his death. Cause us to love him. For those who do not yet love him, who have not yet received him by faith. God, would you open their eyes to see the future without Christ and open their eyes to the beauty of your son and the goodness of what he's done and and to turn from their life and turn from living how they want to honor him. And so, God, we ask for your mercy. God, we do give you glory. You are a great and merciful God that you would do such for us. Who is like you? Who would give what you've given for people like us. And so we praise you for the great gift of your son. And it's in his name alone that we ask. Amen.